Well, it's been a while. Hello and welcome to episode 304. That's three, it's zero, it's four, it's the ENS. Wolves! Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. 302 to start the season. FFP, the truth. Straight on with it. 303. The letter. Jeff She's letter. Straight on with it. Planning 304 this week. And correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Liam Keane, but I've really struggled to get any kind of content together. Nothing's happening. It's very, very slow. Um, and to be honest, I mean, I've got a load of banter here, but I think we're going to struggle to get through 40 minutes. Yeah, it's been quite quiet, hasn't it? <laughs> it's um... just, just, just absolutely grinding to a halt. It's a shame, really. You know, it's, it's a nice time to, to try and get through the 242 questions that have come in. Um, a manager leaving, a new manager coming in, an array of, of, of different craziness happening at Molyneux, at Compton Park, Manchester United, literally five days away. It is incredible. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm also exhausted. I mean, to be honest, Liam, I say we delay this podcast um, for, for 24 hours. It's really just to kind of get hold of you because because one minute you're on Sky Sports News, the next minute you're on Talk Sport. I try and book three slots with you today. All I get in replies and invoice for how much you are a minute. I mean, I'm just delighted to get hold of you, to be honest. Well, to be fair, I mean, Rosie gave me a call earlier and I said, can we do 4.30? Is that all right? I'm, uh, I'm busy till then. 4.30 till 4.45, bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> There's no need. There's plenty yes, of need. Look, you know, you know, even... Even the national media needs someone to, uh, you know, bring the Wolves uh, info um, in, in bucket loads and, and make it make sense. And there's only one man they call. Uh, not, and I wasn't available, so you, so you took it. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it was, um, it's, it's, it's quite astonishing. Even for Wolves, Liam, it's quite been a quite astonishing 24 hours. It, there's so much to discuss. I think we're going to break it down and... We're going to take yesterday almost almost the past first and Lopetegui leaving. We'll then talk about the present and Gary O'Neill and then the future with everything that's going to be around it and, of course, previewing Manchester United and taking your questions. The, it's, it's, it's insane. Let's take it back to yesterday. Jules Lopetegui leaving. Um, look, we knew he wasn't happy, of course, Liam. We knew that there were, there were issues behind the scenes. But I think the fact that it escalated so quickly, at least to us and to the outside looking in, um, and the fact that these negotiations happened very, very quickly and he was out the door. First of all, what are your thoughts? And second, regardless of the fact um, of whether he's left the club, the timing is absolutely diabolical. It really is. You know, you're a few days out away from the opening day of the Premier League. Wolves are on TV. Monday night, Old Trafford, and you've lost your manager. Um, look, it was it, the writing was on the, on the wall, wasn't it? It was coming to a head. Um, what we now know is that Julian had um, had spoken to Matt Hobbs uh, at the Arriva Stadium in, in Dublin and said that you know I think it's time for me to go. And, the, and since then, the club have been um, interviewing and speaking to candidates and working on a replacement. And um, I will give Lopetegui a small bit of credit, you know, now knowing that in hindsight. Um, fair play to him for continuing on, sticking on, not causing a fuss in these last couple of weeks since then. Um, 
But overall, it's been a, a very, very messy situation from all sides. And it results in Wolves losing... I know some people will argue this, but what I would class as an elite manager, Wolves are losing a very high-profile, very capable, very talented manager um, a few days out away from a Premier League season. And there is no way you can put that into context or any kind of context. That doesn't mean it's a really difficult start to the season and next few days for Wolves and moving on to uh, onto the new manager. I mean, this in Lopetegui... Liam was a manager that they wanted and they wanted and they wanted him pre-Bruno. They wanted him after Bruno. They waited for him. They came back in for him. They landed a world-class manager who delivered. Really, I mean, delivered. Look, he had a lot of help. And of course, that I think maybe be his downfall in the end. A lot of help in January in terms of bringing players in. But they wanted that world-class manager. They got him. And they've lost him after nine months. Now, I agree with you. I think there are faults on both sides here. Jeff Schiefosen and, and Lopetegui. But goodness me. I mean, I, I, crestfall, the fans are crestfallen. The, the fans are stunned. Uh, there's a lot of anger out there. Can you understand it? Absolutely. Look, if you're a, a hard-working, fee-paying football supporter, following Wolves, you know, ticket prices across the board have gone up again obviously it's not just Wolves but Wolves fans mm. have suffered for it and you get a few days out from you know a new season a season that is going to be Lopetegui's first in charge first full season in charge and an opportunity to to build on what he did at the end of last season now obviously signings and finances to one side whether that was possible or not and it hasn't been so far you would like to go into the season regardless with June Lopetegui in charge. That's the reality that Wolves fans and, and Wolves as a club will find themselves in. And you've missed out on him. You, you've lost him. Mm-hmm. Partly to do, well, mainly to do with the fact that Wolves have uh, you know, not been able to bring players in and, and he feels the goalposts have been moved and he's not been able to make the signs he wants. Um, but the last few weeks and, and months have been you know, pretty dire in terms of the way that um, the atmosphere, you know, the, the squad, everything we've seen has been has been pretty tight-knit. He's been fine around the squad with the players. There's no no effect there so far uh, up until this point. But he's been so negative around the place behind the scenes because he's been desperate to get some sort of help financially um, and then frustrated when it wasn't coming. I don't think he's, I don't think he's acted particularly well, if I'm being honest, behind the scenes. I think he's been uh, letting himself down a little bit. But at the same time, the mistakes from Jeff Shee and Foson and, and the hierarchy go back to last summer and the summer before. You look at signings they've made where they over overspent on players that either aren't good enough, don't want to be at Wolves, or are just way you know, overpaying way more than, than what they're worth. And it's resulted in a summer where they have to be careful of these rules and it's been the perfect storm. You have to be careful of these financial rules. Lopetegui wants to make signings, he can't make them and he goes. It's a direct result of the mistakes and failures of the past really and it all comes to a head what has come to a head this week yeah I think I think you, you nailed nailed it there that past mistakes have almost led up to this situation unfortunately but what's what's happened between let's say I mean, we were at pre-season we were, we were there at Portugal we, we were we were there in Ireland Liam um Lopetegui knew this situation this summer he knew the situation in training camp why did it take so long for the penny to drop and him to go no, I want out of here. Um, why couldn't this have happened a month ago or six weeks ago? 
Do you feel that there was almost a standoff between she and Lopetegui and he thought maybe, I think I'm going to get my way here. I think I'm going to get a few extra pounds in the coffers to be able to to be able to sign a couple of players. I mean, was it is it as simple as that? Is it simple as missing out on Alex Scott? You know, is, is, is it as simple as not getting a couple of players over the line of wires walked? Or is it more than that? Because it just seems to me like, like, like there's something else that's gone on there than, than I can't sign, a, you know, the odd player or two. To, 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 to walk out of a football club with your whole backroom staff and turn your back on the club seems, seems, seems like it was more than just the odd, the odd signing or two. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement here that, you know, in an ideal world, he'd, he'd have been gone a month ago. In an ideal world, actually, he'd be, he'd be still here, I think, if, if we're going to be totally yeah. honest. Yeah. Then after that, the second best option is he's gone a month ago and Wolves have an opportunity to bring someone in that's going to have a better time with the squad. Um, no, I think it's more than what you've said. Uh, that plays a massive part, the fact that he's not been able to get players, and of course it does. But the relationship between him and Jeff Shee is you know, completely broken down. Um, that was... Uh, a big part of this, I think, the, you know, the trust and belief in 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 the position that he was holding um, and the integrity of his position. I think uh, he's a quite a proud, ambitious character, and I don't think he felt um, he was being used in the right way or he was being told the full the full truth. Because, albeit we've reported everything, I think he's clearly feels whether it is the case or not that that the goalposts have been moved at least twice uh, from Lopetegui's perspective so when those kind of things happen and then you do the interview out when they were out in Portugal uh, all of these things that don't go down well with the hierarchy of course not it was a you know a not unsanctioned interview it comes to a head and it can only go so long with a manager publicly talking down the chairman or the board or the owners before something has before something has to give something has to give eventually, and um, unfortunately it, it's resulted in this. And then finally, the last thing it sort of came to a head on yesterday was the money. Lopetegui and his and his backroom staff are both or all on rather you know really really high wages. They overpaid incredibly to bring them in last November because Wolves were so desperate. Of course, it worked. It had to bring them in, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to walk away from all that money. They're entitled to do that. And Wolves didn't want to sack them and have to give them a full payoff. So, uh, in the end, part of the reason for the meeting yesterday, or the main reason, I suppose, was that mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. negotiating a payoff. Um, and uh, it's, it's not a full payoff, so it's somewhere somewhere in the middle that both sides were were happy with. Um, yeah. And uh, and he was able to able to depart. Yeah, I mean, before we go into the talks, I, I, I want to say this is that. It leaves a sour taste in the mouth, I think, in terms of he, you know, what he's achieved at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I think we know that, and we know that he's partly responsible, I think. Definitely not wholly responsible. In fact, I, I think the majority of the blame isn't on Lopetegui. I, I think it's on, on others. However, he's got to take partial responsibility. But when you look at his job and the way that he's looked at in world football now as a as an out-of-work manager who's available for employment. His stock's massive because he's done it. He's done Spain, he's done Real Madrid. He's, he's, he's obviously achieved so much at Sevilla. He's won trophies. And then he's gone to a Premier League, bottom of the Premier League at Christmas and made them 13th. I mean, for his, his actual reputation in world football is actually higher than when he before he got the job. So from his, from his point of view, it's actually done quite, you know, 
pretty good. You know, I guarantee that we're going to see Junior Lopetegui probably this season go somewhere high profile. I, I, don't, I don't for one second think that he will be out of a job for, job for long. And I think he'll take all of his backroom staff with him. But in terms of his profile, it, it's only got bigger and better, I think, from the outside looking in, in terms of world football and employability. Yes, that's a big part for him as well, because the kind of manager he is, reputation plays a massive role. And again, going into this season with very little additions to the mm-hmm. squad, quite a few players going... He remembered that the interview he did pitch side before the game against Celtic, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially said, this squad is worse than the squad I had last season mm-hmm. and we only just survived. Uh, we need to be competitive in the Premier League and we can't with this squad, in in, in essence, was what he was saying. Um, he didn't want stagnation, did he? He didn't he, want a season yeah. of just meandering in mid to lower and have a bit of a maybe a potential relegation battle and not be... He, he wants... He, he wants his demands. He's a manager who, who demands to, to get the players that he wants. And I think it was obviously a huge shock that even if he thought they might, Fosin might put a little bit of extra capital in, they might have put some money in towards the end if he was going to say, well, I'm going to walk here. And it was a, it was a case of blinking first. And and end of the day, it was June Lopetegui, and that's why he's not here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and um, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the fact that it wasn't just stagnation, it was if Wolves went into this season and went into another relegation battle and he was the manager from the off, um, I don't think he'd have he'd have stood for that. Um, yeah. And then, and then as, as I've said already, it came down to yesterday. It came down mm-hmm. to... He's well, made let's talk cl- about the negotiation. What, yeah. what happened with the negotiation? How, how, who, was, who was involved in the negotiation um, process? Uh, Matt Halbus, was he there? Was Jeff Shee there? Um, and and how, how was that, how's that come about? Obviously, Lopetegui had two years on his deal, so you know, Wolves haven't got any money. So how did how, how did that go? You know, have, have they paid him off completely? Have they paid him off partially? What, what's the situation? So yeah, the the whole idea of that meeting. So Lobtigi and his staff came in. I think it was just before midday. Um, they came in, had the meeting straight away, and and sort of left a little bit later and came back again. I think as a sort of goodbye moment uh, for, for, for the staff. But the idea was as a you know, to negotiate a payoff. As I've said already, Lopetegui didn't want to walk away from the uh, the wage that he's on. Um, equally, if he walks away, his staff walk away from that as well, and his staff uh, also on big wages. You know, mm-hmm. they're not as big a name as Lopetegui, and I think the money would probably mean more to them. So he was thinking of them as well. Sure. And look, he's, he's entitled to do that. You know, he, he, you know, he signed a contract. He's he's you know legally binding to to take that money. So he didn't want to walk away from that. Equally. He, he'd made it clear he wanted to go. Wolves needed to find a solution. Wolves didn't want to sack him and have to pay him the full money. So it was a, a, a standoff, but an amicable standoff is how it's been described to me. Where, an amicable standoff, okay. Yes, where um, they've come in, they've sat down, they've negotiated what they both think was fair. And, and I'm told it was actually fairly swift to, to get that uh, negotiated and done because both sides clearly wanted it. Lopetegui was happy not to get the money in full, but he was obviously clearly not happy to just resign. Hence, he would have done it, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they eventually came to that decision. It was quite interesting as well. So Matt Hobbs was um, leading it entirely. Um, Jeff Shee has been in uh, China for a little bit, and I believe he's not back until the end of the month. So, so Jeff Shee wasn't at the, he wasn't at Compton. He wasn't in, at Compton. He wasn't at the meeting. Uh, right. He was he wasn't involved in the in the you know negotiation for the payoff. Uh, right. Matt, Matt Hobbs left, uh, led it, and of course, that, I, I imagine there'll be some financial sort of staff and other uh, board mm-hmm. members involved yeah. as well. But um, Matt Hobbs led it, and of course, Julian and his team uh, on, the, on the other side. And uh, and yeah, they came to that decision um, eventually. And I think 
it was, I say amicable because we all know how well Lopetegui and Matt Hobbs got on. They both said it publicly. They both um, given that impression publicly and privately as well about how their working relationship has has, uh, has blossomed over the last few months. And um, and they've got on really well. And you can look at Lopetegui's closing statement leaving the club. He names uh, Lisa. Uh, he names Matt Hobbs. He doesn't name Jeff Shee. Uh, he doesn't name Foson. Um, it's very clear that the relationship there with Jeff had broken down, and it was very clear that um, that, that was where his his problem was in terms of Wolves hierarchy. Um, so to be honest, it was probably a good thing that Jeff Jeff wasn't involved. I'm sure they would have been professional had they had they been there, but for it to be a um, I suppose more an emotional rather than angry separation, which is what it was, um, it was probably a good thing Jeff wasn't there. And then at the end as well. Um, Julian, his staff, they went to Fiume, the Italian restaurant that they, you know, them and the players Pizza, all Pizza's will. come from after a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might be, might be waiting for, for them for a while, but carry might on. Be. Very good pizzas <laughs> as well. Um, they went there for sort of food and drink and stuff and mm. they came back and obviously said goodbye to people. And um, It's been described to me as more of a, an emotional thing where they were sad, to, sad that it came to an end rather than an angry separation. But of course, the anger and, and beef, if you will, with, with on Julian's side has, uh, has been directed at, at Jeff more than anyone. Are you surprised that the chairman of a football club was not there for a meeting like that? I mean, you know, and also who comes to that decision? Is, does Jeff Shee come to that decision saying, look, this is, he's forcing our hand here. It, the position has become untenable. We need, to, we, need to, we need to move. We need to move swiftly with this and, and, and appoint someone. And we'll come on to kind of looking at certain candidates in a little bit. But it, it seems very strange to me that he wasn't involved in this process. I think it's absolutely fair to say that in terms of all of the managers that have been at Wolves, and Gary O'Neill will now be the sixth manager that have been at Wolves since Foson have owned the club, um, of all of those six managers, it's very clear that the relationship broke down the most towards the end between Julian and Jeff, as opposed to anyone else. Um, and it's really been a case of the last few months and it's all built up. It, you know, It came from my story originally about you know Wolves' financial troubles, Lopetegui was then informed of it, and it, the uh, the goalposts in his mind have changed since then, and that's and that's really where it's all died off. Whether he should or shouldn't have been there, you would imagine the answer is he should have been there because you know he, he's running the football club. I, I think it would be silly of me to say otherwise. Um, what I can't do is I can't speculate on what he is doing over in China. Um, I, it could be a family thing. It could be a business thing. I genuinely don't know at this at this stage in, in time. So I think it would be unfair for me to criticise him for being in China without knowing the reasons why. But I can criticise the fact that he wasn't there for what has been clearly a very important meeting and negotiation with uh, with Lopetegui. And I know we're going to come on. And I know we're going to come on to the um, the process with the interview process as well. Mm-hmm. But just because we're talking about Jeff, he also wasn't involved in the interview process for the predis- uh, for the uh, successor. So Matt Hobbs completely led, completely led that as well um, and would have had other people assisting him, of course. But um, Jeff also wasn't involved in, in appointing Gary O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just seems very, very strange. I mean, look, part my own opinion, um, you know, as obviously like an adopted fan, I guess, of Wolves is I'm absolutely gutted that he's gone. I, you know, whether, you know, I don't think he's acted particularly well at all. However, if you're Wolverhampton Wanderers, Liam, you know what you are getting into when you get a world-class manager. You know, this guy was as good as the top six managers in the Premier League. You know, your elite 
and he was at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, when you go and get someone like June Lobatigi, you've got to get him, give him what he wants. You can't just get him and go half-hearted. You know, you can't, you've got to back him. And, you know, I understand the FFP, I understand the situation there, but there were ways and means where Wolves could have got deals done this summer. Now, that might mean stretching the budget, and if Foson didn't want to do that, I completely get that. But you know, you've got to do your due diligence. If you're bringing in that kind of a, of a manager, of a world-class manager, this is always going to happen. This is always going to happen. And the fact that they've gone, and maybe this is a changing tactic now for people, you know, I mean, they've gone from from someone like June Lopetegui who wants, I want these players, I'm a strong person, to someone like Gary O'Neill who really is going gonna, is gonna to be happy with what he's got and he's not going to create too much of a fuss. I think that the, the, the contrast is stark there and we'll come on to that in a little bit. But I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted that he's not the manager. He's not in the dugout of Manchester United because no, I thought they had someone very, very special at Wolverhampton Wanderers. And, you know, we've, we've got polls on the website here Who's to blame? I think I think both parties are to blame to a certain extent, but I think the fans have kind of got it right. You know, Jeff Shee, you know, you can say Jeff Shee or you can say Fosen, 75%, Lopetegui, 23%, and I think Matt Hobbs, 2% or whatever. But, you know, it just, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of anger towards towards Jeff, towards Fosen there. And, I, you know, I can't, I can't defend it, really. I can't defend it. I'm pretty angry. I'm pretty frustrated as well. No, completely. Look, you don't have a manager like him. For look, Wolves are a massive club, but they're not a top six club. And you get a manager like Lopetegui, and you don't let him go. No. So completely agree with that. Playing you sign devil- up to you sign up to demands and, yeah, and certain course. demands, or at least you know, of course, there's a balance, and and you've got to adapt, and you know, there's a bit of give and take. I, I get that, of course, and every manager's gonna going to push it a little bit to see what they can get because I get it, managers are very much you know thinking short term and the owners are thinking long term they're thinking, Fosun and Jeff are thinking 5-10 years in, in the future and you know, Joel Lopetegui is thinking less than 6 months in the future I, I get it, I get it but there's always a common ground there and when you get someone like that at the club, you hold on to them and you keep them as much as you possibly can Absolutely, but I do have to play devil's advocate slightly because sure. the finances are the finances you know, you have to be. Um, I think Foson have always ensured that Wolves are stable and sustainable, um, and that's important. And they've made a decision in the way they're going to approach this summer. And I think you have to stick to that to the benefit of the club long term. Um, so that's that's what I would say. And it, you can't always bend to the will of an individual and a manager as well. I think the club is, is, is more important. Now, look, we might have I might have a slightly different view if Wolves get relegated this season. Um, mm-hmm. I hope they don't, and I don't think they will. But as it stands now, you have to, you have to think long-term, almost to your point there. And I think, yes, would Wolves have pushed on with Lopetegui and signings this season? They would have done. Long-term, was he, was he ever going to be here for, you know, for the next 10 years? No. And... Wolves have got to make the decisions that they feel is right for the club. And if they aren't the right decisions in the long term and in hindsight, we'll be the first people to criticise it. Um, but I think you have to understand the position that the club was in financially and, um, and, and, and roll with the punches, really. So, the Wolves face Celtic, Liam. Uh, they draw 1-1. Um, and Lopetegui speaks to, to Matt Hobbs and, and kind of says that 
I can't go any further. This is it. I need, I, I need to get out. This, this, is not, this is not happening for me. This is not working for me. And so ensues, ensues a, I guess, a 10-day a managerial, I want to say interview process or hunt anyway, uh, of people who may or may not be interested if Lopetegui decides to go. I mean, I think they'll probably try to to keep him after that, but what did that, who was involved in that process? Was it solely Matt Hobbs? And also who did they approach? You know, was Gary O'Neill number one target from the very beginning or did they look at other targets or have anyone else who was on that short list? So yeah, it was, uh, we all know what football's like. There would have been agents picking up the phone. There would have been people putting themselves forward for the job that may or may not have been qualified. Um, there would have been people that the club had in mind from the start. There have been people the club approached. Um, and I'm told there were several people that were interviewed. I think if you're going to add on top of the people that were also sounding Informally out, or formally? A bit of both. Okay. Um, and Matt Hobbs led that as well, as I, as I, as I said already. Um, obviously, he would have had people assisting him on that, but he, he very much led it, was in touch with, with people, had presentations and meetings and interviews and... Um, and there was several people that were spoken to. You, you could also probably easily double it with the amount of people that would have been sounded out or uh, at least contacted or made aware of interest in some way, whether it was interview or not. Um, the struggle is I mean, now trying to figure out exactly who all those people are. Um, yeah. I do have one name for you. Oh, um, here we go. <laughs> Uh, the England under-21 manager, Lee Carsley, obviously has just won the Euros with the 21s as well. Um, he was a name that was at least sounded out and floated floated around as an option. Um, I don't believe he was interviewed. I believe he, he was he was put forward as an option and, and, was, uh, and was discussed at Wolves. Um, I would imagine that he was also pushing himself and his people were pushing himself to, to get involved. Um, but it, they obviously chose to go elsewhere. And then to your, to your question... Um, Yes, Gary O'Neill was the was the first choice that they that they fell on from from what we're being told. They uh, they looked at everyone that they were that was available and was interested. They interviewed everyone that they approached, and from Matt Hobbs's quotes today and from the from the announcement, um, he clearly was most impressed with with Gary O'Neill, and um, and and I think it was quite an easy deal for them to do and quite a swift one to do. Hence. Yesterday, when we were talking about Lopetegui and him going, we all knew, we, I was reporting it, other people were reporting it, that the Gary O'Neill deal was done already because he was ready to go uh, and sign on the dotted line as soon as Lopetegui had, uh, had gone out the door. Okay, last question before we go on to Gary O'Neill. There was, um, you say that this, um, and I think Matt Hobbs has said in his piece today, was it 10 day search? 10 day search for a manager? I think that's right, yeah. 10 day search for a manager, and these talks happened, uh, and Lopetegui obviously voiced that I need, I need out after Celtic, is that right? Yes, I think still at the stadium, I believe. Okay, so so let's fast forward it a few days then, Liam, from Celtic, and we get back, I think, on the Sunday, slightly hungover, but not too bad after the Saturday night. And later on in that week, obviously when we know that that's happening, we know that, well, they know anyway internally that, that Lopetegui's going to go and that we need to start having a, having a search and Lopetegui's been fair enough and said, you know, take your time and, you know, I don't want to rush it, but this is happening. We get a letter from Jeff Shee, so there must this this Jeff Shee letter back end of the week. So, you know, and, and praising Lopetegui and, and and his staff, but it seems strange timing to put that letter out. I understand that there was pressure for him to speak and to speak about FFP, 
But they must have known, and Jeff must have known at that point, that June Lopetegui was about to leave this football club, mm. which seems a bit strange and a bit bizarre to me. So there's a, there's a few things with that. Um, okay. Obviously, they'd have been planning that Jeff Shee letter for a while. You know, the way that businesses in general work, and, the, and of course football clubs as well, is that's not just going to get put together overnight. There's going to be people working with Jeff on putting that together. The exact wording, every single line is going to be meticulously ran through to try and figure out how that's going to be put together. So that was being done for, you know, I think when they were in Portugal and, and perhaps even before that to, to put something together to give the fans some sort of communication from the chairman. Um, so that's the first point. Second point is obviously they were being pressured to speak and pressured to say something. I think they had to get it out when they did. Um, so I, I think they actually deserve credit for just for getting it out, regardless of the timing with Lopetegui. But you have to look at reading between the lines and look at it very carefully as well. And similar to when Lopetegui, in his closing statement, leaving Wolves last night, when the Wolves announced it, doesn't name Jeff Shee. Jeff Shee, in that whole letter, does not name Julian Lopetegui. He calls him the head coach, and he refers to him twice. And it's in the penultimate paragraph and the one before. Um, there's about a thousand words before that just talking about the financial situation. That letter was just for the financial situation. That's what it was for. But when he had the opportunity to name Lopetegui, he didn't. He chose to use the words head coach. And of course, we knew that the relationship was fractious. Of course we did. Mm -hmm. But now in hindsight, that Lopetegui's gone, you can see the reason why he's not naming him. So um, that, was a, that, that for me is a deliberate thing from Jeff there. You, you, don't, you don't name him. One, because they're clearly not getting on. Two, mm -hmm. because he obviously knew he wasn't going to be leaving. And so let's bring in Gary O'Neill then. Um, I guess, well, a simple question. What are, you, what are your initial thoughts? The fans aren't particularly sold, I think, overall, collectively. You know, the, I guess the main takeaway from a lot of the opinion is it's the cheap option, which I, don't, I, think, I think that's facts, really. It is, it is obviously considerably cheaper than what... What Julian was, you know, was was obviously getting paid, and his backroom staff. What are you, what are your initial thoughts of the of the appointment? So I'm going to give him the, the benefit of the doubt to start with by saying he needs an opportunity to actually do the job. You know, he's he's not actually. We're we're recording this now at almost seven p.m. on uh, on Wednesday evening, and he isn't actually arriving for his first training session at Compton until tomorrow, until Thursday. He's not even put on the training gear yet and got onto the training ground. So he needs the benefit of the doubt and needs an opportunity to actually make it work. That's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is he is very well respected in the football circles and amongst coaches and players. He's quite highly thought of, albeit he's only had the limited experience uh, as a, a head coach at Bournemouth last season. But, again, I completely understand where the fans are coming from. It's not what fans will perceive as an ambitious appointment. It's not what mm -hmm. fans will perceive as someone who is going to take Wolves to the next level. Now, doesn't mean that he's not going to make a success of it. He very well might do. But on the face of it, the fans see someone who's coming in having having managed 30-odd games in his, in his career. And to be honest, I think Wolves know that. Wolves know that it's not going to be, you know, a particularly favourable or popular appointment. Um... But they stick by the decision they made and um, and they're happy with, with with who they chose. And it's interesting as well because Matt Hobbs... Wolves obviously went for 
Marco Bill, didn't they, before Lopetegui accepted on the second uh, chance back in November. Mm-hmm. And Matt Hobbs was the one that was pushing Michael Beale. He he, you know, almost convinced Jeff to, to go for a young and up and coming British manager. And um in the end he turned it down and Lopetegui came in and obviously Wolf stayed up in part but mainly to do with Lopetegui. Wolves have now changed and gone back to obviously Matt Hobbs was leading this as I've said leading the interviews, gone back and changed and brought in Gary O'Neill, a young, up and coming, hardly thought of British manager. But what we what we need to know now as fans and as the media and the questions we'll be asking to both Gary O'Neill and to the board and to whoever we can get our hands on is what is the vision for Wolves now? What is the project? Now, I did a lot of talking about that in the article I spoke about uh, FFP originally when that first came up back in, I think it was April time. Um, and Wolves' philosophy and vision moving forward is to move away from the really expensive signings, to stop being over-reliant on George Mendes, to bring in players that are, are either and or young and hungry or a point to prove. Interestingly enough, Matt Hobbs uses the phrase, got a, got a point to prove, talking about O'Neill in, in some quotes today as well. So that seems to be what they're doing. They're aligning the manager up with the project and the philosophy of what the club is trying to do. But they're in the they're in the infancy of moving there. They've done a lot of that work over January and in the summer so far with some of the people that have left. But it's whether it's now going to be the perfect storm of Gary Neal coming in at the right time or whether he's going to have come in too early in that process. So that's what really interests me. And that, for me, is what is going to hinge on whether he's a success at Wolves or not. Um, what I did say, and I, and I, and I put my hand, hold my hands up here now, I spoke to you earlier on in the day, I think, Liam, and we had a good conversation. I've also spoken to a couple of people you know, in, in Wolves and a couple of friends there, and this is prior to the announcement of Gary O'Neill. And I said, well, the one good thing, I guess, is oh, well, Wolves have got no money or they haven't got a lot of money, so you know, it's, it's going to be pretty expensive to give them compensation, Lopetegui's guys' compensation, even if they negotiated it down. It still, still costs them money um, up front to, to get that sorted out. But I'm thinking, well... You know, of course, Gary O'Neill is going to have a smaller backroom staff. He's going to be on a lot less money. And, you know, he's ecstatic, I'm sure, at getting the chance. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for Gary O'Neill to come to a club like Wolverhampton with, let's be honest, and we'll talk about it, I guess, you know, later on in this podcast, still a flipping good squad and a really good first team and some brilliant international players. You know, no, no disrespect to Bournemouth, but this is a completely different kettle of fish. So I'm thinking, right, well, you've got, you, you've got a guy under club control here who is absolutely desperate, sacked by Bournemouth. Everybody was shocked, sacked by Bournemouth at the start of the season. Absolutely fantastic opportunity. He will say, yes, 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 yes. So at least you can get him under club control. And if it doesn't work out, then fair enough. So you're thinking rolling contract. You're thinking one year with an option or as a, as a lot of other managers are on. So I'm very surprised, Liam, very surprised that he's been offered a three-year deal. Yeah, I, I'm same as you. I really, I really was surprised. I thought it might be two maximum, perhaps. Um, I don't. Or think... one with incentives if you even if you keep them up or whatever. But I'm, 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 quite, I'm, abso- I'm, I'm absolutely stunned that that's a three-year contract that they've offered on the back of all this. Yeah, because Wolves are in a position where if they do well this season, and let's say Gary Neal was on a one-year or one-year yeah. with incentives, whatever it might be, the the likelihood of them losing him to another club is still quite slim, and Wolves sure. are still in the uh, in the power position to to re-sign him if they 
choose to. Instead, they're in a position where if in six months' time, 12 months' time, 18 months' time, they decide to part ways with Gary O'Neill, mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay out a contract. Okay? Cough up 24 so, months' worth of salary and his backroom staff. Absolutely. So I, I am I am surprised at that. I really am. Um, but again, just plain devil's advocate, we, we aren't privy to what you know clauses at this stage are in that contract, what the details of the contract are, how big the wage is. Of course, it'll be lower than, than Lopetegui, but how big it actually is in reality. Um I would suspect Wolves have looked after themselves in this deal to some degree, and it'd be interesting to find out how and and, and where. But yeah, completely completely agree with you. I'm, I am surprised to see it as a three year a three year contract. I think we were both a little bit blown away when we, when we saw the news come through. I mean, look, I, I I've I said I think I said on the video. I've tweeted previously. I thought he did an unbelievable job at Bournemouth last year. Unbelievable for me. He was ahead of Pep Arteta and and anyone else. In manager of the season, he should have at least been in the running in the top two or top three. Amazing job. And I know Bournemouth finished 15th. They finished a couple of points behind Wolves in the end. But I think they're up to 11th or 12th. They dropped a little bit towards the end. But they were never really in any relegation um, problems because of how well they did. And he got them playing. And, and, and for me, you know, absolutely crazy decision that they got rid of him, um, Bournemouth. So, you know, it's... Um, I think you know he's been rewarded obviously for that, and he's obviously been you know very good. And, and like, like you said, Liam, really good point. You know, saying that you know with the Michael Beale and potentially trying to get him, they've gone back to the young, the British, the the hungry manager, and maybe an end to this Nuno, Bruno, Lopetegui. You know, a run of you know of looking at, of international and European managers. You think that probably this is where Wolves want to go. This is where they're more comfortable. Maybe they've had enough of managers demanding, managers being outspoken. You know, Nuno was outspoken, but he was, you know, in a, in a clever way. And I think he had a better relationship with Jeff, actually. But, you know, when he demanded there was success, he got what he wanted. You know, Bruno was outspoken. You know, even though he was trying to test it, he was outspoken, wasn't he? He was pretty outspoken. And now Lopetegui, and I think maybe now it's like, OK, we need to rein it in and we need to get it on our side a little bit now. And... Of course, there's going to be dialogue back and forth at what the manager wants and what he doesn't want, and hopefully we'll see one or two more signings coming in. But he's not going to be battering down the doors. He's not going to be hanging Jeff and Fosun and, and and the situation out to dry in public, is he? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it's 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 an appointment that is, um, as you say, he's it's stark I'll, contrast. Yeah, I'll phrase it this way: He Lopetegui, Wolves needed Lopetegui more than Lopetegui needed Wolves, and it's the other way round. Mm-hmm. With, with Gary O'Neill and Wolves, yeah. um, he's of course the position he was in, and I completely agree with you. Very, very unfortunate to be sat by Bournemouth, um, but he's in a position where he's all of a sudden got a Premier League job at a much bigger club with better squad, and um, he must be rubbing his hands together. And I don't blame him. Why? Why wouldn't he? Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, and and in terms of the the, the signings you mentioned there, he, he's not going to be banging that door down to, to try and get loads of sign. I'm sure he'll want some, of course he will. And in terms of where Wolves are, again, I know a lot of people have been asking about it. Um, letting Lopetegui go and obviously coming to that you know, payoff, negoti- neg- negotiate, negotiated, if I can say it, payoff, um, it doesn't mean all of a sudden Wolves are going to have loads of free funds. Because by the way, they're still going to have paid him a big chunk of money to go. Oh, for sure. So <laughs> let's not, let's not uh, play it down. Um, it's not all of a sudden going to mean they, they can start spending. Um in terms of you know, signing power or spending power where they are, it, at, as it stands, nothing is 
going to happen in the foreseeable future is, is everything we're being told at the moment. I think it's still the case that if you can get rid of a couple of them, so most likely Pedence and Johnny, unless, of course, the new manager decides that he wants to go a different way with the squad, but that's probably unlikely, particularly with Pedence, who you know, is clearly wants to go and is not very happy. Um, but if those two go, they can maybe make a couple of small deals work, whether it's small fees, loans, frees, whatever it might be. And as I said in the previous podcast, loans or frees would be possible to an extent. They still have challenges, but they'd be able to make something work. Yeah. But they have to find the right deal. They have to negotiate for the right deal. As it stands, there's, there's nothing major that's happening. Yeah, and and let's be let's be brutally honest. If uh, if Jess Sheen, Fosin, and Matt Hobbs said, uh, Gary O'Neill, do you want a couple of extra players? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Gary O'Neill, um, you, you're going to be this squad, and we're not going to sign anyone else. Are you still okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to lose actually two more. Are you okay to work with the squad? Yep, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's true because you know, you, you, I cannot blame the guy. I cannot blame the guy one bit. Um, and we both stress that I think, as a, from a starting eleven point of view. Um, I know a lot of people are going on saying they're, they're relegated. It's over. It's that. I mean, I don't. I don't think that for one second. I really don't. I genuinely don't. Even with this appointment, um, I still think that Wolves will stay up in the Premier League this year. I, I genuinely do. Um, but yeah, the, the actual changing dynamics is 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 stark. Um, as with Bob Batigi, like you said, all his backroom staff have gone. Who stayed, if anyone, Liam, and um, and who's Gary O'Neill bringing in with him? Yes, so um, obviously Neil Cutler, the goalkeeping coach, is staying on. He wasn't part of Lopetegui's backroom staff. He was just replacing, uh, or, or he was, but wasn't part of the team that came in, of course. Uh, he's just replaced uh, Tony Roberts and, and came in a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. he'll still be staying on. But everyone else, aside from that, um, that came with Lopetegui, um, including his son, uh, Daniel, have, uh, have all departed. Um, and with that, there's a slight change in the way Wolves are doing things. Okay. So, Gary O'Neill is only bringing three coaches with him, whereas Lopetegui had about six or seven, didn't he? Wow, <laughs> altogether. Okay. So, he's only bringing three coaches with him. It's going to be an assistant and then two first-team coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tim Jenkins and Mark Robson uh, are the two names that have already been out there uh, today. I think another outlet has, uh, has put them out there. I believe, I hope, I believe this is right, that Tim Jenkins will be the assistant, Mark Robson, and the third name, which I'll get onto in a second, will be the, the first team coaches. So Tim Jenkins has come from Bournemouth, um, where obviously he These works. are all big foreigners, yeah, i never heard of them, foreigners. <laughs> Huge foreign names, go no, on. Tim quite. Jenkins is what, he's come from um, Bournemouth, yeah. Come from Bournemouth, where obviously he worked with, with Gary O'Neill before. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Robson is currently, well, not anymore, but he was the, um, the West Ham <laughs> under-23 first team coach, or head coach rather. Um, so they're, they're both coming over to Wolves and then the third yeah. name which no one else has, has mentioned yet uh, which mm-hmm. I managed to find out today is uh, Sean Derry is moving over as well um, he is currently a coach at, uh, at Crystal Palace and he'll be moving over to, to be one of the first team coaches he was a Pal- Palace well. player once he as well was he not? yeah yeah, QPR yeah, legend as well he's yeah, part of that yeah, QPR team yeah. in the Premier League um, yeah. legend obviously Tongue in cheek. I don't, I, don't, I don't quite know how QPR. He was a pretty him, solid but, midfielder back in the day. I yeah, tell you, no, he was a tough tackling midfielder. I thought he was. Yeah, he was decent. So, um, so they're the three coming in, and the change is that, of course, them they're three. As I said, assistant and two first team coaches. Yeah. There's no fitness coaches. There's no analysts. There's oh, nothing wow. like that coming in. And okay. what they are going to be doing now is the people at the club, 
that are employed by Wolves that don't come in as part of a backroom team that are employed already by Wolves and yeah. they stay whenever a manager leaves they stay in their job at Wolves unless yeah. they move on for another reason Yeah, they will be taking up those lead roles as analysts okay. and fitness coaches etc so oh, yeah. what's, what's happened in the past you've had the analyst or fitness coach from Bruno Large or mm-hmm. June Loptigi mm-hmm. they've been leading that department and then the people yeah. who work for Wolves have been working reporting to them and, yeah, yeah. So supporting their role sure it will now be those people leading the roles and there'll be people who stay on with Wolves unless, you know, moved on for other reasons. Um, so that's that's the slight change that ha- in how Wolves are approaching um, this uh, this sort of backroom and, 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 you know, player-supporting staff. And, and, and I guess uh, that's a change that's been dictated to Gary O'Neill and well, well, the other way around. So. Because, well, you know, this, so. I, mean, like, I mean, you know, you can dress it up as much as you want. It's, 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 it's a big cost-cutting exercise as well, isn't it? They didn't want to employ five, six, seven, eight players. Um, you know, different roles, sorry, and coaches and, and strength and conditioning and, and, and analysts, so forth. You know, this is this is something that, you know, is obviously going to save money and, and bring a few more coffers back and pull a few more coffers back, I guess, in the in the future as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think um, you, you have to come to that conclusion because they just let go, what, five, six, seven people and they're bringing in a manager and, and three others and mm. not replacing the rest. So that's, that's yeah. obvious that Wolves are going to save money in that regard. Um, yeah. Equally, I think the hope from the club, and obviously Tom will tell whether this is the case, mm-hmm. the hope from the club is that it will be more of a together, one unit type of feel and atmosphere. Because obviously when you bring in a foreign coach with his, uh, a foreign, foreign manager with his foreign coaches, because they all speak the same language and maybe English is their second language or maybe some of them don't speak very well, very good English, then... It's all, it's not an intentional thing where it becomes an us and them, but they tend to just almost socialise in those groups because they they are already have their friends, they already have people they know well and work with for years. In this in this case, they're all obviously English first language. They're coming in, and because it's a much smaller group, and they're in in essence promoting some people already within Wolves. I think the hope is that it will go down well with the players in that they already know these people as well and it will go down well with these people and the atmosphere will will only improve from that. Um, whether that happens, obviously, we'll have to wait and see, but that's the, the hope in, or one of the hopes and one of the reasons in, in, in making this change. I mean, I know Gary O'Neill. Well, I said I know him. I worked with Gary O'Neill. Um, obviously, he was at Middlesbrough um, when we signed him as well. So... When I was in the old website, I used to come into the office and have a coffee and sneak away from training when he was uh, when he was injured, or you know we had the gym right next to us, and he was always a very nice, um, polite, well mannered, quiet, quiet kind of a guy. Bloody good footballer, by the way. And um, and I think from what we're going to see from Gary O'Neill in terms of media presence, look, I'm sure the people listening won't really care what he's like on camera or care what he's like when he's speaking. It's, you know, the results that matter. And of course it is. It's a result-led industry. But from comparing him with, with, with Nuno or Bruno or Lopetegui, you're looking at someone who's probably not going to give too much away, Liam, I, I would say. Probably going to be maybe a little bit vanilla um, in terms of at least, at least pre-match stuff. Um, but obviously, someone who's going to be very, very polite, but also very determined, and 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 keep it keep his cards pretty close to his chest when it comes to um, information that people are trying to get out of him. You know, whether it's post or or, or, or pre match. Yeah, I did speak to a, a reporter down in in Bournemouth who worked with him last season, and um, 
and said that, yeah, similar to what you said there, quite vague on injuries. Um, doesn't go into a lot of detail, I think, in a, in a presser before the match, but was a bit more open after a game. Would be happy to explain his thought process behind A, B and C and obviously the, the game as a whole. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, I think the impression I got from this report was that he was quite... Uh, Gary Neal was quite a, you know, a nice character, similar to what you've said, and easy to get along with, made an effort to know and, and get to know journalists' names and things like that, which goes a long way to you know, building a relationship up, not because we want to be best friends with them, but because we have to work with them, you know what I mean? And, and we, we have to work with them very regularly during the week. Um, so it will be interesting, um, and, it'll be a, and, it's, and it's different for me, for at least for the last couple of seasons, because he is an English manager, and even though some people might not like to talk about it, it is a different culture, a different way of, of doing things, and it is different for us as a, as a media to work with an English manager than it is a foreign manager. I'm not saying either of them is better or worse, it, it comes down to the character and the individual, but it's going to be very different. So it, I'm quite intrigued and interested as to how it will uh, how it will play out. I'm sure results will, uh, will dictate that quite heavily, as they Absolutely. normally do in football. Absolutely. Um, in terms of style... In terms of what he did at Bournemouth, and of course, you know, you've got to adapt with the players that you've got, and he's got a lot better quality than what he had, you know, in his in his in his last season. But can you can we see any potential changes or, or stark change, you know, big changes on the pitch in, in terms of in terms of formation, in terms of of the way that he wants to approach a game of football? I, again, or will time I, tell. Yeah, again, in my conversation with this reporter, the first thing he said was that they often played to match the opposition so sometimes it'll be you know the opposition plays five at the back will play five at the back or whatever it might be at the same time as that he did also quite often play a 4-4-2 or a variation of that where it might be a 4-4-1-1 which whether it's by design or not is very similar to how Wolves been playing in pre-season whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-1-1 with a sort of low narrow uh, wingers Wolves have been doing that during pre-season. Uh, it's you know they're very small, intricate details that make a difference between those those formations. They are very similar, and that Bournemouth he would often play um, Philip Billing as a sort of false nine or just off the strike, whatever it might be, mm. and play Solanke up top or often Kiefer Moore played as well. And um, and I think that could suit Wolves. It could because we both agree, and we're gonna, probably going to keep saying it if and when we're ever proven wrong that Mateus Cunha is not a number nine. Yeah. He plays better off a striker. And for me, if that if Gary O'Neill sees that and he plays Cunha off a Fabio or a Kalajic or whatever it might be, um, I could be quite excited to see that in the long term. And I've got, we'll, we'll come on to United and I'm not convinced he'll necessarily do that there. But I do think that that would potentially suit him, uh, Cunha, and a lot of the other individuals in the Wolves squad. And that could be hopefully quite a, a promising thing. So from what we what we know about Gary O'Neill, from what we've seen from this Bournemouth side, from what you know the shakeup of of, of Lopetegui leaving and, and and a new manager coming in, any from a player's point of squad point of view, any any potential very early winners and losers in in a managerial change, anyone who might have been thinking potentially going out the door or or you know who was at the outside looking in with what we thought might be selected in the first few games, do you feel that? Um, any any one stock might have got a little bit higher or lower with this appointment. Would you like one of each? God, give me one of each, baby. Go on then, you can have it. Um, I'll I'll go with the potential loser um, and explain my reasons for this. I'm going to okay. go with Ryan Aitnori. 
Okay. And my reasons for that is that I think he's played very, very well in preseason. And to his mm-hmm. credit, after the way that the end of last season went for him, um, pretty much the second half of last season went for him, I think he's done very well in preseason. I think he's looked very sharp. He's looked good going forward. Defensively, he actually looked a lot more solid than he has done in the past. And I would like to see him stay at Wolves and, and at least battle Hugo Bueno. I, I'm a big fan of Bueno. I really am. But I would like to see Aitnori involved there. What Again, what I've been told and what I've seen of the way that um, Gary O'Neill likes to set his team up and play is that they're quite pragmatic. They're going to... They, they, uh, for, for blocked shots... Uh, is in blocking, do, doing the blocking, defending. Um, they were the highest in the top five leagues in Europe last season. Um, I think they, they, he's going to want them to. He's going to want Wolves to be quite defensively rigid, and I don't know if Aitnori is going to fit that role at left back. Mm-hmm. Now he may fit a role if he decides to switch to a five. And and look, there's of course there's going to be possibilities for him. And the manager will make his own decisions when he comes in and sees the players. And of course he'll know the squad already. He'll have done his research. I just worry that Aitnori might not fit that pragmatic, solid defence uh, that that um, that only was probably looking for. So that would be my loser. Um, okay. My winner, obviously Cunha, I've already mentioned, but I would go with Fabio Silva. Oh, Fabio. Uh, my reasons for that is that... Providing they keep him. Provided, the, provided they keep him. And I think, to be honest, um, the likelihood of him going is probably fairly slim because they just Wolf can't afford to let a fairly key player go at this stage but um, of course we all know that him and his people have been looking at getting him out of the club um, I know a few people were a little bit uh, you know questioned a little bit the interview I had with him recently to say oh he's not actually saying he wants to go I said well if you read what he's saying and also I was there speaking to him in person he was very much implying that he, he wants to go and I also know for a fact having spoken to sources that he would like to leave Um but it's not because he doesn't like Wolves. It's not because he doesn't love the fans. He made that very clear that he does. Fabio Silva has been keen to, to leave this summer. And of course, it may have changed the last week or so. But from last I checked, he would like to leave this summer for two main reasons. One, Wolves don't score a lot of goals or haven't done the last two seasons. As a striker, you want to be the one to put that right. But equally, you want to have the chances to put that right. And I feel mm-hmm. I think he feels he's not going to get that chance. Secondly, under Lopetegui, he wanted to feel like he was loved he's the kind the main of main man he, he wants to be the main man he's the kind of guy that needs someone to put the arm around the shoulder and say you're my guy going forward he wasn't getting that under Lopetegui he started against Luton did very well has come off the bench in the other games but he was very much a part of the second 11 during pre-season and he wants to be the main man up there if and it's a big if Gary O'Neill wants to do that and can do that for Fabio Silva I would hope that there is a possibility of him bringing him in, putting his arm around him, saying, you're my guy, you go start for me at Man United, or whatever whatever game it might be, maybe Brighton, and be like, you're my guy, you start here, and you're going to be my main striker until you don't deserve to be the main striker. And then if you if you play badly and you don't deserve to be the main striker, you can't argue. But if you, if you get given the chance and given the opportunity to be the main man, that's exactly what you want. I would hope that that's, um, that eases it. But just to finish this point, to Fabio's credit, at, from what I've been told at every people around the club and on the training ground, he's not caused any issues. Even though he's wanted to leave, he's never thrown his toys out the pram. Whereas I think in previous years, and maybe with certain people called Trincao around him in the squad. <laughs> was that, Absolutely. Was that, was that subtle enough? Apple. Was that subtle enough? Um, I think he lost his way a little bit and he has kicked up a fuss in the past. 
he hasn't been doing that at all. So to, to his credit, he seems to have matured a little bit. He seems to be on the right path. So that's why I hope that he'll get that chance under under O'Neill. I mean, it just reminds me. I mean, it was a blast from the past that, but you know, you talk about a nightmare for the mistakes, past. <laughs> mistakes, mistakes that have been made, and and you know why sometimes in this position. I know he's only on loan, but Christ. They paid him a shitload of money to come here for Trinkau. was an absolute rotten apple. And then they replaced him and spent 30-odd million quid on a bigger rotten apple in Guinness. I mean, crikey. There's been some absolute... I can't, I'm going to swear, but I can't. I've already said shit. Um, anyway, um, I'll, I'll give you a win and a loser. And to be honest, we're very, we're very close. Um, I'm going to say, from a fullback point of view and a striker, but they're different to what you're saying. Um, I, think Matt, I, think, I think Doc could be a winner in this. I just think that he could be... Um, a Gary O'Neill type of player, and if Nelson Semedo, and, and I guess it was going that way potentially as well under Lopetegui, that you know if Semedo had started poorly, but I would not be surprised if we see Doc on that starting lineup as soon as potentially Monday night. But we'll see, we'll see. And we talk about two big lads. We talk about Kiefer Moore. We talk about Dominic Solanke. I, I agree with you on the Fabio Silva thing, but I'm. I'm going to move it and, yeah, he might need a couple more weeks to get ready. But I think Sasha Kalajic could be a big winner here. I could see him being a big part of what Gary O'Neill wants to bring um, to this football club. I think he'll like him. I think he'll like him. If he can prove his fitness, I, could, I think he could be a starter in this team week in and week out. To be fair, I, I, I agree with those uh, those two as well. Doc's actually quite a good shout. As being the manager's kind of player. And, and mm. to be honest, I hope, I hope he is because if it was me, I'd start Doc as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, right, before we go into questions, um, word from our sponsors. You know who they are. Who are they, Kino? Please, uh, please mention them because obviously you've got a bit more gravitas behind you these days after at least 24 hours of being in, you know, in an every, every single media portal going. So can you, can you announce them, please? They are Kettle and Toaster Man. Kettle and Toaster Man, baby. And I tell you what, we're going to go to vacuums today because I don't know about you, Liam, there's a lot of hair around my house on the carpet. I've got a lot of dogs and I also got two Pomeranians. And um, the, the, experience, the experience of the Beldre Pet Plus Cyclonic Vacuum will definitely, you must, Rosie's got long hair, hasn't she? I bet you find hair everywhere, mate. Um, yes, that is true. I'm not sure she would like me likening her to a pet. <laughs> no, no, no. But Alana's got long hair. Honestly, there's black <laughs> hairs everywhere. There's orange hairs from Baloo. There's, there's, there's cream hairs from Stitch. It's all over the shop, mate. It's not, definitely not my hair. I haven't got much of it. But honestly, this, this pet cyclonic vacuum, all the hairs you want, experience vacuum technology and effortlessly eliminate dirt, dust and pet hair from your home with this Beldre vacuum cleaner providing superb cleaning performance on both carpets and hard floors. It's lightweight and comes with a variety of attachments to make your cleaning routine easier. How much, Kino? How much to eradicate all the hairs in your house? Well, including, you not including, maybe, maybe there's some short curlies. Crikey. <laughs> there, there is a lot, you're right, and not of the short curlies of the other stuff. Um, I will, it's got to be at least 100 quid. Oh, mate, you've, you've done me there. I mean, it is expensive. Lower. <laughs> oh, I actually thought I'd done you for a second then. <laughs> 70. Oh, I tell you what, I'm halving that to 35 bloody pounds. Bloody 30, 35 of your pounds. I mean, you know, you haven't got dogs and you're still trying to, you're still thinking about buying, aren't you? Well, I mean, I, I love a good bargain, um, and it's a good thing you said half of that because I'd have been here for the next ten minutes guessing that price. So, um, I could buy, that. I could buy, and this is not this, this. This is no lie because I think I might have sent you a little picture message uh, earlier on. Um, 
that I could probably buy ten, nearly ten of those uh, for what I've just paid for the dog's groom. Yeah, mate, that's mental. What? That's worth what every you, penny. What are you doing? It, it, it's not. I've met the dogs. <laughs> oh, okay. So I've taken them. So I'm in London. Lovely. I'm in London at the moment. They're, they're well groomed. They've had um, well, they've they've had a full summer cut. Uh, they've got balm on their nose and their paws. Um, they've got some. They've got. A, they've had a blueberry facial. They've had the anal glands sorting out. They've had supersonic teeth clean. Stitch has got a bow in her hair. All for the small sum of three hundred and thirty-three pounds. Honestly, that's like genuinely almost my rent. That's crazy. <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. We could do it all over again in five weeks. Five weeks. Five weeks every cut every five weeks, mate. Oh, mate, come off what? it. What? Can, no? Rather than doing that, can you just send me that money every five weeks, and I and I will turn it into a million pounds. You'll you'll come and clip them, won't you? You'll come with the bloody clippers and give them a number one all over. Oh, easily, it'd be great. Uh, uh, should we take some questions? Let's do it. Oh, I mean, look, I don't know what to say. I, I said earlier on the top of the show, like, you know, we've had three crazy podcasts here. We will get to a random, normal podcast one day, but we've got over 250 questions here. It's insane. Um, so I'll try and get through some of them. Um, and of course, please, please, please keep on sending them. I'm sorry if we don't get to them. You can understand it. It's been a cray-cray 48 hours or so. Um, so uh, let's go for the first one. Matt, first of all, Southbank Matt. And you kind of touched on it, but do you expect any more outgoings this window, Liam? Yeah, I still think so. Um, I think, look, Johnny and Pedence are, are both been free to go all window. There's not been enough interest or enough concrete interest in them to actually get a deal done as it stands. Uh, we spoke in the last podcast, and this is how quickly things change in football, but um, last week it was correct that Pedence was not training with the team. Then all of a sudden he's on the bench at Wren and he is training <laughs> with the team again. Um, and, and, and Johnny's coming on, and, and, and Johnny and Johnny came on as well, absolutely. So Johnny was always training with the team. Pedence wasn't because, as mm-hmm. I say, he's a bit of a spiky character, doesn't want to be there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The club wanted yeah. him to go. Um, it's still the they're both training with the, with the team now. It's still the case that they're you know happy to go. I think Pedence still wants to go, of course. But what the only thing that could change it now is if the manager comes in and says, "I want you guys. I want you to stay here." You know, he brings them into the fold somehow, convinces Pedence and Johnny to stick around. More pedants, really, but you know, convince them to stay. Otherwise, if that doesn't happen, they're still likely to go. Provided, again, provided you can get a deal for them because they're both under contract. John Charlesworth, is the decision to appoint Gary O'Neill as the next boss based on his footballing knowledge and expertise, or is it the appointment nothing more than the fact that O'Neill happened to be the cheapest item on the menu? Well, you look at the fact that they. Um, I mean, it absolutely is cheaper than Lobotigi. I mean, we've already discussed that. It's, you, know, you can't deny that at all. But considering they looked at a lot of options um, and if you take Matt Holmes's quotes on face value um, they've chosen him for his detail and they were impressed with the plan he put ahead and um, everything that he offers so yes Wolves know it's not going to be a popular appointment Gary Neal's first job now is to win over the supporters and ironically the supporters are the only people now who can back the manager and the players as, as angry and as rightly angry as they are about the situation they're the only people who can who can uh, you know help in some way yeah um 
Daniel Hunt, how have a Premier League side of five years got in a position after slashing the wage bill and selling £90 million worth of players that they can't even bring in free transfers? Doesn't feel like FFP is the only issue at play here. And should Jeff be accountable for three years of mismanagement? So, would you like uh, another half an hour potty running <laughs> running through the finances and how it all works? Because uh, episode three zero two, FFP, the truth is uh, what you wanted to say. But you know, I guess you can maybe take the latter part of that question. Yeah, um, yeah. First. Look, it, I mean, it absolutely is the case that that's where wolves are. But to the latter point of the of the question, um, wolves, Foson and Jeff Shee, Look, because the the decisions, you know, end with him. He makes the final decisions. They were made. A lot of mistakes, absolutely. Um, mismanagement, I think, is probably a fair phrase when you look at the last two windows in particular because they weren't going to spend last summer. Then all of a sudden they changed their plan and went for it. Then it didn't work and they had to. They had no choice because of the mistakes they'd previously made. They had no choice but to spend again in January because they would have been relegated otherwise. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, they're now in the position now where they're struggling to spend this summer. So, the the mistakes and the overspending and the reliance on George Mendes and some of the targets again, Gedez is a massive, massive red flag example of that. Um, means that that's where Wolves are, and he should. It, it is you know the decisions fall with Jeff. It's it's the book stops with him, and he's he's, he's made mistakes. Folks have made mistakes, and you have you have to call it what it is. Yeah. Um, shall I say? Okay. So, I mean, it's. I don't think it's quite toxic at this moment in time, Liam. But I do feel like the fans are very, very angry collectively. I feel like they're let down. I feel that there's a disappointment there, and I feel there's a frustration um, that's kind of getting aimed now at, you know. I mean, previously you look at the manager, or you look at maybe Scott Sellers, and, and and I think now Jeff's the person who's who's really the fan. The fans are kind of gunning for a little bit. Now, I really hope that things start turning, well, looking good. You know, as as with Manchester United on Monday, I hope they get a result there. I really do. But if they don't, do you feel that this this atmosphere could become toxic quite quickly inside Molyneux? And look, we've got a back the manager, and I'll speak about that towards the end of the show, and the players. But if this doesn't go well, Liam, um, can you could you see a unsettling atmosphere at, at, at Molyneux anytime soon? So a couple of points to that. The first one is that social media and reality are two very different things. We've often seen where fans are so angry on him and their situation last season. I'll use that for example. And the whole World Cup thing. And then he came, he came back and Molyneux was singing his name and, and, and loving him. And, and on social media, everyone was giving him sticks. So it, it doesn't always translate. Of course, we, with Scott Sellers, it did. You know, his name was being chanted um, at Molyneux and, and he was under a lot of criticism at the time online. And so sometimes it does translate, but it doesn't, it's not always the case. So that's the first point I'll make. The second point I'll make is that f- f- in football, as soon as results go your way, people tend to forget. If Wolves get a couple of decent results early on or do okay-ish, could maybe a draw here, do okay, I don't think it will turn at Molyneux anytime soon. But with the way that people are reacting online, the way, if and if they do start the season badly, um, I, think it, I think it could turn very quickly. Uh, as I say, from what I understand, Jeff's not back until the end of the month, I believe. 
I don't know the exact date, obviously, but um, until the end of the month. So it can't be necessarily directed at him if the chance. But of course, if they are chanting, he will hear it. And I think that I think really the results just play a massive part in that. If it goes well, it won't happen. If mm-hmm. Wolves don't do well, it will. Um, I mean, Terry Barler says, does Gary O'Neill deserve all the negative comments? I think not. And I, I, I do think that becomes a point. You okay? Uh, I didn't realise how squeaky my chair was. I was trying to move oh, okay. it out. <laughs> so that was very sly of me there. You, you got a peek behind the curtain for a second. Goodness me, as long as you weren't moving from balcony to balcony, mate, then that's the most important that's thing. Um, I think there comes a point as well where whether, whether you like Gary O'Neill appointment or not, he de- definitely deserves a chance. He deserves to be backed. He deserves to be, you know, the fans to give him give him a fair a fair crack at the whip. Look, you know, I don't think you'll get a honeymoon period as such as maybe some managers might get. And but at the same time, you've got to give him and you said at the top of the show the chance to be to to coach to manage this side and and try and get the best out of the players that he can possibly do. And that's not just one or two games. You've got to give him a bit of time to to bed in. I mean, he hasn't even taken a bloody training session yet. You know, poor yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not his fault. You know, goodness me, if you're Gary O'Neill, you, you you absolutely grab this chance with both hands, and hopefully he will do. And I think you've got to. There will come a time when you know this anger will hope maybe subside a little bit, and you've got to put it into positive positivity, backing this team. Back first of all, backing the players. That's the most important thing. Back these players. You know, it's not their fault. They're not in this position, and they will always. The, the fans are great. The fans will always back the players. We've got to back the manager as well. He is a manager of Wolverhampton Wanderers, and you've got to give him, you know, fair go at this. Yeah, look, everything that's happened so far this summer has had nothing to do with Gary O'Neill. He deserves the chance to make something happen. It's not his fault what's happened. It's not his fault the Wolves chose him. You know, he went for the job. Wolves were happy with what he put forward, and he got given the job. He's now got to make something work. He's got to make something happen. But before a ball's even been kicked, he you can criticise the decision. You can't criticise him. Nothing's happened yet. Um, when the time comes to criticise him, of course, we'll do it. Fans will do it. Other media will do it because that's the way football is. Um, but before a ball's even been kicked, give the guy a chance because he's... Um, yeah, as you say, he's, he's not taking his first training session until tomorrow. So it's uh, there's plenty of time to go yet, I'm afraid. Yeah, I read a few comments about this, so I kind of, uh, I kind of, I guess, put them in together. A um, few people asking any news on Adama Traore, and if we're looking at free signings or, or could, could we bring Traore back? And a few people, even though I was absolutely slated him earlier on, um, are saying, could this situation help someone like Geddes and maybe get him a second chance at the club? Yes, uh, with Traore, I'm not aware of anything happening um, as it stands. Um, as I've said with Freeze and um, sort of you know small fees or loans, whatever possible to an extent, and it would, it would take some negotiating. So it's not necessarily impossible. But you've got to remember, it was also his decision as well as Wolves' decision to to leave the end of his contract. So um, and and more him really because Wolves offered him a new deal, didn't they? So uh, mm-hmm. or in negotiations at least with a new deal. So um, I, I don't see that one happening. If I've been honest with you, but I suppose you can never say never, uh, especially when he hasn't got a club as it stands. Geddes is a weird one because pretty much all of pre-season he's been out in Portugal rehabbing. Sort of, he's been lined up for his Benfica loan again. It just hasn't quite happened yet. Um, I'm not 100% sure he's back in the UK yet. It's something to follow up on. But um, I would put it this way. 99% of me says he never plays for Wolves again. That 1% is only because there's a new manager. 
Mm-hmm. If Rob T was still here, I'd say 100%. But yeah. I only give it that 1% because there's a new manager come in. The, the player doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to play for Wolves, he's not interested. Um, if for any crazy turn of events that Gary O'Neill can light that fire into him and bring him bring him in, then he'll play, but I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, uh, a couple of others okay, so, who are definitely on Wolves' books, um, Bola and, and Jordawa, are people asking about those two. Yeah, they've been sort of fading into the background, haven't they, Bola and Jordao? Um Yeah, they're, they're just not in Wolves' plans. Um, again, I, I have to caveat, only because a new manager's coming, I have to caveat that with, well, you know, if the new manager take, manages to take a look at them and likes them, you never know, but they're just not in Wolves' first team plans as it stands, and provided they can get a move for them, they're both going to be moved on, but it's if and when uh, that happens. And I, I don't want to criticise anyone too much, but a lot of people talk about Bola, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone's ever watched him play. <laughs> he's one of those I, where I, I, just, the stock weird, just keeps it? on rising and rising and rising to the like this almost godlike player. And, and, and I mean, I we talked about Alex Scott a little bit, you know, and well, I think it was yeah. just the victim of the situation, you know. Really, it was more the frustration that we couldn't sign this player. I don't think it mattered actually who it was. Okay, so he's done well in the championship, but they almost go higher and higher, higher ceiling until you actually see them play. I, I can't really criticise the fact he's been at Grasshoppers because obviously Totti Gomez was there, wasn't he? Came back to yeah. and has been brilliant. So. It's not necessarily the fact that he's not good enough because he's at Grasshoppers. I think you've just got to trust the fact that he's not not one manager has even considered bringing him into the fold. He's not been on mm. any preseason. He's not been. You've got to trust the fact that not all of these people are getting it wrong, yeah. um, and and also the fact that people. I don't want to you know slag anyone off, but the vast majority of people who are clamouring for his name to be involved have never. I can guarantee you've never seen him play. I've never seen yeah. him kick a football. So I think this is a strange fascination with players they don't know a lot about where people just want them to be involved. There's a lot of players we can talk about, Campania or, you know, mm. you know uh, I don't know, Kawabi, whoever it might be. Mm. Players who get bought and sold and were never going to play for the first team. I'm not saying Bola was nev- necessarily that's why he was bought, but it seems that he's never going to and he's going to move on and they make profit off players. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, that... Uh... That Pedro Gonçalves guy will never amount to much, will he? <laughs> now that is, he is the anomaly. He is the anomaly <laughs> to what I've just said. Um, uh, I mean, to be fair, he was in and around the first team a little bit, wasn't he? Around Nuno right. and made, played in a couple of cup games. But yeah. um, I mean, that's obviously a massive mistake on Wolves' part. But that's the uh, that's the anomaly. I've just been situation. naughty, mate. I'm being naughty. I'm playing. I'm being naughty. I, with I did think Sorry. about it as I was talking. I thought if I bring him up now, I might be <laughs> putting my own point down. So I won't bring him up. <laughs> Sorry, mate. You can rely on me. Come on. Um, uh, Richard Fletcher, would you agree the the operations at Wolves have no linear strategy whatsoever? Unlike a Brighton or a Brentford, there is no clear direction to this club. One strategy move regularly contradicts another. I think that's a decent point to be no, honest at no, this moment is, in time. It is, and Brighton and Brentford are two very good examples of that. Mm. Very, very good examples of that, and and look how well they've done in the last couple of years because of it. Um, but it comes to the point that I was speaking about earlier, where Wolves are trying to go now. It's the, the cheaper deals, and by cheaper I mean, you know, the vast, pretty much all actually of the the first era of the the good signings, the ones that have been really good players for Wolves have been fifteen million or less. Um, they're looking at that bracket. Obviously, this summer's different, but in general, the philosophy looking at that bracket, not overpaying for players, players who are again, I'll, yeah, repeat what I said, young and hungry, and or point to prove, all of this kind of thing. Because Geddes, another example, another time to use him as an example rather, a player who didn't want to come to Wolves in the first place, showed he didn't want to be there when he arrived and uh, very quickly was moved on. 
but they paid £27.5 million for him. So this is what Wolves are trying to move away from. The over-reliance on George Mendes, they're trying to move away from, still use him, of course, but not over-rely on him as they have done. This is the philosophy they're trying to build, the project they're trying to build, but it, it is in its infancy. It is mm-hmm. maybe one and a half windows into that project because it really came in when Hobbs managed to get a grip of the club and the January window when they brought in the likes of Ajal Gomez who showed incredible desire to come to Wolves when he could have easily gone for more money to Leon. These are the kind of signings they want and the kind of club they're trying to build and I think that's quite similar to Brighton and Brentford in some ways. So they are trying to do it, it's just in its infancy and it's on its way. You've just got to hope that they get to the destination. Reggie says, your answers to this question last week, Kino 4, Judas 6, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the start of the upcoming season? Uh, 1, we've not worried at all, and we're finishing the top half, and 10 is, I'm worried as can be. Are they still the same? Kino, you said 4, and I said a 6. Can I now change to 6? <laughs> <laughs> can I change to 7? There you go. Slash 8. We'll take that. Uh, um... I mean, I'm going to meet about the bush. I'd rather have June Lopatiki in charge than, than, than Gary O'Neill. That's not to say that I'm going to not back Gary O'Neill. Absolutely, I 100% am. I'll be, you know, I will shout his name from the rafters if he's doing a good job and if he can get this team going. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, you've got to understand that Gary O'Neill's managed 35 games in the Premier League. Um, or 36, I think it is, actually. I think a couple before he got the job. Um Tune Lopetegui's managed all over the world football, so you've, you've got to take that into consideration, don't you? Yeah, 100%, um, and that, hence why I've you know, jumped up a few points. I think the reason I don't go any higher is probably Wolves have, I think I've got a good starting eleven. Um, I think I've got I, I, actually a pretty decent squad overall, just lacking depth in certain places. Wing, centre-back is an obvious one, we, you know, starting the season with three centre-halves. So there are glaring gaps, but it's not uh, you know, wholesale changes to the team. Uh, the bookies have spoken, Liam. Look, I, I, they don't always get it right, of course. Um, but with the news and, and the upheaval at Wolves, um, Wolves have gone from eighth favourites for relegation to fourth favourites now. Uh, Luton four to eleven, Sheffield United four to six, Forest just ahead of them at five to two, and Wolves eleven to four. Um, Bournemouth have moved ahead of Wolves, Everton, Fulham, Burnley, Crystal Palace. Um, so they, I mean, they see Wolves just escaping relegation. I guess if you took them, you know. Um, on face value, they see them finishing 17th in the Premier League. I'm going to give you 17th now. Would you take 17th? With all the FFP concerns, with everything that's going on, with, you know, this, obviously, summer next year will be be better in terms of being able to buy and sell players and, and maybe in a better financial climate. I'm giving you 17th position now. Would you take 17th and Gary O'Neill in charge? Even though I've gone with six, which is obviously slightly more worried than not, but not incredibly, I absolutely would take 17th. You have to get through this year, this financial year, and the way and the position Wolves are in. I think if you, it's more of a season to get through, which obviously is not exactly the most ambitious thing to say for, for fans listening, but it is a case, I think, of getting through. And if Wolves surprise a few, maybe have a cup run or, or, or do better in the league than, than, we, than we expect, then, um, then yeah, I, I think they'll finish around the 14th mark I still think they'll do that uh, but I would take 17th 100% I mean you know you go back to that Jeff Shee letter and towards the end of that letter 
And maybe they knew, like you say, what was going to go on. And I'm sure they did in that letter. And that's maybe why it was worded that way. But he said, I can't, I'm not going to quote it completely because I haven't got it in front of me, but we've got to have this season like we've just, like it was a brand new Premier League. Or we've just come up from the Championship. You know, we have to take it as our first season in the Premier League. And that's kind of what most clubs do with their first season in the Premier League. They have to survive. They want to, you know, keep in that money, keep in the money. And if they can survive one season in the Premier League, and obviously the riches and everything that goes goes ahead of it. And OK, it's different for Wolves. They've been in the Premier League for a few years now. But at the same time, in terms of FFP, in terms of financial financials next summer, it's survival this year. Do you feel that, do you feel that his main objective and Gary O'Neill's main aim is keep us up, Gary O'Neill? What, there's your squad, keep us up in the Premier League this year. Or is it more than that? I think with the way the summer's gone and, and the fact that you've changed managers before, well, days before the season starts, I think it is a case of do as best you, as you can, but don't get relegated. I, I really, so if he finishes seventeenth, really Liam, he finishes seventeenth, Wolves stay up on goal difference. Is that a successful season for Gary O'Neill? And we're Foson going to be delighted with that? Not delighted with that, but he's done his job. Fantastic. You're back in for next year. Of course you are. You've signed a three-year deal. We've just survived by the skin of our teeth on goal difference I and think, stayed in the Premier League. I th- no, I think it's somewhere in between that. I think it's, okay. thank you for keeping us up. Thank you for the job. And it wouldn't surprise me if Wolves consider their options at that point because they've got through that financial year. Depends where they are. Um, in the squad and, and sort of where players are and, and what other options they might have but it wouldn't surprise me it really wouldn't if Wolves think of considering their options elsewhere um, yeah I, I, I just think they need to get through this year I really do and, and that will that will play part to what they're going to do in the future um, and yeah for, for me that's it um, and just to finish quickly on that um, reports uh, as we're on uh, as we speak, that um, Alex Scott is having a medical at Bournemouth. So just thought I'd give you the good news. <laughs> um, getting through, getting through this this season. Getting through this week's hard enough, mate. You know, true that. Monday night, right under the lights, Sky Sports. We start off Premier League. I mean, you've almost forgotten that the season starts. Um, wow, 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 wow. Gary O'Neill's uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, against Ten Hag's Manchester United. He's going to be with them tomorrow, if you listen to this today, or today, if you listen to this, it's Thursday, we're recording Wednesday night, but he's going to take his first training session, he's going to meet the players, he's going to have, I would say, probably three days to work with the players, Liam, Thursday, Friday, and probably Saturday if it's a Monday game, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I can't ask you for a team. I can't actually predict a team. Pretty hell. But, but... Judging by the way he's coming in, do you think that we could see changes from the off or maybe one or two? I mean, he will obviously know the squad. He will know what he's got to do. And I'm sure he's already in his head potentially getting some kind of a team together even before he's even took to the training ground with them. It would be natural that he did. Do you feel that, look, of course, he's going to go there and try and, I I assume, shut up shop or keep him quiet and nick a goal? Um, unless we see all-out attack and, and, and it surprises us. But do you think that from the team that we saw against Wren on Saturday, that maybe there won't be too many changes from that team? I think so. And it's more of a continuity thing than anything mm. um, because he's had li- limited time to work with the team. The team yeah. have been working this shape and mainly that starting eleven for the most part for all of pre-season. And 
I think he would do it as a continuity thing more than anything. There might be a couple of tactical tweaks for United as an opposition. But other than that, all I can see is him attempting to put on some sort of good performance. And if a result can follow that, amazing. And, and, and go from there. Because the players are not going to have loads of time to work with him and vice versa. As you say, he'll have done all his research, have everything prepared, know exactly the way he wants to play and with the players he's got. But I think he will want to give the players a little bit of familiarity. I can't say that word. Um, I don't familiarity. Know I don't know why I chose it when I can't say it. Um, <laughs> can't spell in, it either. It's in your copy. True that. Going into uh, into United because, as I say, look, they've not had a lot of time to, to put together a new plan. So that's the way I think he'll approach it. And it'll be, yeah, as you say, fairly similar to, to the Ren game, I would say. But look, I know, I know what you're going to have. You know, you talk about you know, changes, left, right, and centre. The continuity that you're going to have, as you do every single time, are uh, an away end that absolutely packs the rafters, full of fans that will 100 1,000% get behind the players, will get behind Gary O'Neill as well. They will have to be loud, and they will be. I know they're going to be great, and everyone is travelling there. You know, it's always a special atmosphere when you, when you go there on a night. And look, Wolves have had some really good nights at Old Trafford over the years. They really have. Um, and you know you never ever know you never ever know but I think that hopefully this whole saga can be brushed aside a little bit and we you know it's it's almost just nice to get back on the pitch I think Liam it's almost like a, a bit of a relief okay just cross the line because we can concentrate on some football for once it's nice to have football back <laughs> it's uh, it is I, nice. I feel, I, I feel like I feel like we're towards the end of the season. And we're knackered. We haven't even started yet. I know. I'm falling asleep listening to you drone on, mate. To be honest, uh, no, you, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> well, we're 85 minutes. We've had no banter. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird to me. Uh, so okay, let's uh, let's finish it off. It's 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 Manchester United against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Actually, before I go, uh, for those asking for the uh, fantasy Premier League code for this year, I will put that out. I will tweet that out uh, tomorrow. Um, maybe Friday. No, I'll tweet it out tomorrow. Um, if not tonight, actually, I'll put it together um, and I'll put that out there. So um, please join us on our in our poddy league, and we haven't had a chance to discuss prizes and what's going to happen this year. But I'll 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 say all that. Just make sure you join, get yourself there, get the code, and um, enter enter your team. And it'll be great to see you all compete against myself and Liam. Manchester United against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Who's doing it this year for the um, for the old prize? And what prize should we give? Why don't you say a prize? And I know, yeah, I'll say a prize, and we'll go with your, we'll go with your prediction. How's that? Is that okay? You say a prize, I'll do the prediction. Let's do it. Okay, um, I'm going to give away that Hoover, that kettle and toaster Hoover. <laughs> nice. <laughs> going to give Love away that, that. Get kettle and toaster Hoover, and and the new home shirt. And? To start off, let's go with, yeah, let's, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling, look, we've, we've, had, we've had some strange news this week, it's been, it's been a crazy 48 hours, I'm giving away the home shirt and a hoover, how good's that? That's pretty good, that's very generous of you. One for the guy, one for the missus, and I mean the hoover for the guy, by the way, don't get, don't, don't start throwing, don't start giving me comments, I meant that, I meant that, it's all good. Um, right, <laughs> prediction. I'm going to get out of here quickly. Um, I'm going to say Manchester United 2, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Sorry. You should be sorry. Okay. Because the real, the real answer... Oh, here we go. Come on. Come on, Mr. Crowd, please. Uh, let's see what it is. Remember, there's a, there's a shirt and a hoover up for sale here. That's exactly why I'm doing it. Go on, then. Manchester United 1. Oh! Gary, o- Gary O'Neill's Golden Black Army. Oh! All Golden Black Army! 
one. Whoa! A point to Old Trafford. A point to Old Trafford on his debut. My good God. Unbelievable. What a crowd pleaser. Well, you know what? Someone's got to do it. Hey, look, you know, stranger things have happened. Can you imagine like a little, it's nil-nil, 65th, 70th minute, and all of a sudden, breakaway counter-attack. Oh, it's it's Neto down the down the left. Oh, it's cut inside. Pass. Fabio Silva. Ah, 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 ah. I'll be on the pitch if Fabio scores a winner. Oh, we've gone, mate. We've gone, haven't we? 100%. Silver, shirt off, booking, in front of the Wolves fans, everyone against it, everyone can't believe it. Oh, mate, that's what you want. Chills, I was there moment. Hairs on the back of our necks rising. We're up in the press box. 20 journalists looking as disgusted. We don't care. We <laughs> don't care. Before, We're up. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Bugger you all. Come on. Come on. Love it. Oh, uh, mate, thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, like I say, sorry it was later this week, everyone, but as you can understand, it's cray-cray at the moment. Um, but it's Wolverhampton Wonders for you. Uh, one hour, 28 minutes. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you retweet it. Get yourself involved in that competition. Have a great one. Have a great weekend. Myself and Mr. Liam, beautiful man, Keen. We'll see you at Old Trafford on Monday night from me, from Keen. Take care. Bye-bye. better retreat because we're on the attack. The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back.